Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. Stephen Fonte, Mike Waters back with you here on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. It's time for our SOS house call as we welcome in Dr. Brad Raphael to the program. Uh, Dr. Always great to talk to you. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays. Same to you. Same to you. So I've got a few NFL questions. I know Mike's got an NBA question that he wants to toss your way, but let's start in the NFL. Uh, My Bills hosting uh, the Dolphins this week, and so much was made going in about uh, the cold weather, right? When they played in Miami at the beginning of the season, temperatures were, you know, the heat index was above 100. This game it was, you know, 20, and, um, you know, again, the wind chill probably made it feel like it was in the teens. Um Generally speaking, when a warm weather team goes to play a cold weather team, are there certain disadvantages, or, or did, do those of us in the media kind of make a bigger deal of that uh, than than there is? So um, you know, there's there's both medical differences and there's also kind of psychological differences, and so I would almost argue there's the same amount of advantage for. Buffalo playing in Miami when it's 100 or 110 degrees with a heat index, as it is when Buffalo come or when Miami comes to Buffalo playing in that you know tundra that we all watched on TV um, on on Saturday night, and so there are some medical advantages and disadvantages. First of all, um, you know when when it's cold. You worry about when it's that cold specifically, you worry about, you know, frostbite, things like that affecting your fingers, your, your nose, your toes. And so it's, it, it affects not just Miami, but affects Buffalo as well. The only difference is, is Buffalo had the advantage of practicing for the last, you know, four to six weeks of playing in your, in that cold weather to kind of prepare them. But having said that, you know, it's not just Miami that's affected by that. It's, Buffalo as well. So I think people forget that those elements are going to affect both teams. The difference is, is that Buffalo has, you know, basically the players know how to wear, how to play with the extra layer on or wearing extra gloves or the, the, or the warmers. You just kind of create more of a routine. But having said that, the elements themselves will affect Buffalo and Miami. Yeah, and it seemed like the the snow came at a perfect time. Right? It was, yeah, it, for the fourth quarter, it really did. Cue the snow, and uh, Bills end up coming back and, and winning that game. All right, elsewhere in the NFL, we saw the the league's leading rusher, Josh Jacobs. Uh, he had what he described as a, a nasty pinky injury. Uh, from week 14, he planted his hand in the turf. Pinky kind of went the other way. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, it's just a pinky. He'll be able to play through that. Take us through those hand injuries, especially for a running back who needs ball security, and that's important. Obviously, he's, you know, he's able to play through a pinky, but are there certain hand injuries or finger injuries that, you know, a, a running back would not be able to play through? Yeah, so that's a great question, and um, it, it involves two things. First of all, involves the, the tolerance of the player, the pain, because at the end of the day, whether I don't care what position you're playing, if you're in a lot of pain, it's very challenging to, to, to be an effective player. Second thing is, is obviously a running back or receiver needs their hand more than a lineman or a linebacker. You know, you can see sometimes linemen or linebackers are playing with casts on their hands, where obviously you can't be a receiver playing with your casts on your hands. So it limits us as a physician what we can do to protect that healing fracture. Um, you know, obviously, if there's a bone that's sticking through the skin, we, we have to address that more immediately, even if it's a finger, whether it's clean it out, try to stabilize it and protect it. But um, oftentimes, honestly, these players do play through fractures, dislocations, 
um, assuming they can handle the pain, and B, that the physician or the trainer can create some sort of splint or, or protective device that they can wear but won't in prevent them from uh, becoming an effective player. So obviously, as I mentioned, the, the Josh Jacobs couldn't play with a cast on his hand, whereas you know Micah Parsons playing a linebacker could. And so it all de- also depends on their position. All right, that's a, that's a great point. And, and speaking about uh, pain tolerance, I, I do want to ask you about Jonathan Taylor, who happened to be on my fantasy team, and it was unfortunate that he – it's unfortunate, obviously, that he got hurt. But uh, my uh, my season is now officially over. But he's been dealing with the, the ankle injuries all season, soreness. Um, you know, he was coming off a bye. In, in this case, can a bye week hurt guys sometimes where they're, you know, in a certain rhythm and they're playing every week and then, you know, they rest it and they come back and, and for whatever reason, I don't know if it was a coincidence that he got hurt after the bye week, but can a bye week hurt a guy like that who, who had uh, found a certain rhythm? So it's a great question, and uh, the answer is usually the bye week, if you're dealing with an injury, the bye week can only help you because it gives you one extra week not only to recover, but you remember you know, that's two or three less practices that week because people just assume every injury happens in a game, but these are all things that get, can get either caused or get exacerbated by practice. So just having that week off, you know, usually the teams will give them about two or three days at least that weekend before off, and then maybe one or two less practices during the week to allow them to heal. So usually they will improve. The question that you bring up is, will it hurt in other respects? And so while the injury itself may get more time to heal, the players really rely on rhythm and routine. And so um, he may not have gotten his usual stretching, his usual treatment, something like that, you know, that he gets a routine. A lot of these guys do acupuncture, physical therapy, massage therapy. If you're not getting that routine, it does kind of expose you to a little bit more in the way of, um, you know, injury. But in his case, I would imagine it may have been one of those cases where, okay, he hurt his, he hurt an ankle injury. You have a break. He has a conversation with the coaching staff and the trainers that say, listen, we don't know if you can go back and play. Let's take advantage of this extra week. We're going to know, and we're going to use that week as a kind of go or not go, depending on how you feel. And it's usually more of just, the thought process, the, the strategy of using these bye weeks as you're either going to be able to heal or you're not with that week. And if he couldn't and he re-injured it, then it's kind of like, okay, you had the bye week. It didn't work. It also didn't help that, you know, they, their, their you know, playoff chances were hurt after losing that 33-point lead. But, you know, there's a lot of other factors. But I think it was probably one of those kind of benchmark games that they said, if you're not better after that, then we got to shut you down. Yeah, and it uh, it does sound like he is shut down for the rest of the season. My last uh, NFL question, and Mike's got an NBA question for you. I, I did want to ask you about Chase Young, and you know the Commanders are, are seeing that you know their playoff hopes you know slowly uh, dwindle away. And Ron Rivera was asked about Chase Young, who's coming back from an ACL, um, if he was ready to go yet, and he says, well, whenever he is ready to play, he's only going to play about twelve to sixteen snaps. Is it risky putting a guy out there, you know, kind of weigh the risk versus the reward? Um, you know, it's been about a year since since he suffered that ACL injury, maybe a little bit more than a year. Um, is it worth bringing him back for 12 to 16 snaps? Your thoughts on that? So that's a great question again. And, you know, I'll tell you what I tell my patient, whether you're recovering from an ACL reconstruction at 13, at 18, or at 28, or at 58. This is a 12 to 18-month recovery, you cannot speed up that process. Every study shows that the ligament itself 
takes at least 12 months to fully incorporate and fully heal. Because, you know, going back to the conversation we had a, a few weeks ago, we're giving you a new ligament. It's not sewing back your existing ligament. So that ligament has to get reincorporated within the, within the body, and that takes at least 12 months. Having said that, if you've got good strength, good motion, by that 9, 10-month point, then we let you start doing some, some sport activities. And usually it's 10, 11, 12 months before it's full contact with football. Having said that, I always tell patients that the longer you wait, the better. So the risk of re-injuring it diminishes dramatically um, the longer you wait. So if he can wait even between 10 months and 11 months, your risk of re-tearing drops. And if you wait all the way to a year, it drops even even more. And so the longer you wait, and I think that may be what they're considering. Now, having said that, I don't know how he looks. He may have had some stiffness. He may not have gotten his full strength back. And it may just be, you know, whether it's the 14th game, the 16th game, or the second game of the season, he may just not be ready to come back. And so, I, you know, that's a discussion between him and his coaching and the, and the, and the um, physician. But really, the longer you wait, infinitely better from a healthcare uh, provider standpoint. All right, really good stuff. Uh, Mike, you've got an NBA question. Yeah, hi, Brad. Uh, hey. Got a, an injury that I had not heard of before. Cole Swider played at SU last year. He's with the Lakers. Sure. Uh, in late October, he was sidelined with something called a navicular stress reaction in his right foot. He just yes. returned uh, just last week. He finally got back out on the court. He was with the Lakers G League team. But could you explain to me what this navicular stress reaction is? So, um, yes. Yeah. So uh, um, I hate to see Cole just, you know, he's, he's just a great kid. I hate to see him on the bench at all or, you know, on, on the sideline. But um, basically it's um, if you think about your not the ankle bone, but between the ankle bone and your, and your toes, there's a series of bones within the foot. And so what happened is, is that with a lot of impact, you can actually get a stress reaction or a stress fracture um, from really repetitive impact activity. That can happen in any bone in the body. Some of the bones that are most common are in the feet and um, sometimes around the knee and even sometimes in the hip. But the most common stress reaction is usually in either your shin bone or, or down by your, uh, the bones in your foot, only because... It's repetitive. It's a supply and demand issue, and so the demand that he's putting on his the bones in his foot are outweigh the supply of the the blood flow, the nutrients to get to that bone. Because we're constantly the bones are constantly in turnover. They're constantly growing and 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 remodeling. Um, I, I don't say growing, but they're constantly remodeling um, because it's a living organ, your bones. And so what happens is, is that it's a case where he's playing, 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 creates some inflammation and he keeps playing. What that does is it prevents his body's ability to heal this inflammation, the bone that can develop into what's called a stress reaction, where it's more of a inflammation in the bone itself versus you can get a stress fracture where you see an actual line that, that a, a break in the bone. And sometimes those can be treated with casting or boots or crutches and oftentimes, especially in high-level athletes, we need to put screws in, either in the navicular or one of the, uh, we call it the metatarsals, the, the bones that are um, kind of your toe equivalent, finger, the foot equivalent of your fingers um, that need screw or fixation. But usually in the navicular or in the uh, talus, those, those bones 
um, they usually do heal if you catch it early enough with immobilization or uh, and protected weight bearing. All right. Uh, as as awesome. always, uh, very insightful answers. Great stuff. Uh, happy holidays to, to you and Thank your family, you. and uh, we'll do it again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, there it is, our SOS house call. And with that, we'll take our final time out here in hour number one. When we, when we return, we will get to Jim Beheim's uh, comments on the late, great Lewis Orr. That's next on ESPN Radio.